Thanksgiving is about traditions like turkey, mashed potatoes, family, friends, drinking, and betting on football with MyBookie's Turkey Day Free Play. MyBookie's third annual Turkey Day Free Play returns this Thanksgiving. It's your chance to bet up to $250 risk-free. You heard that right. $250 risk-free on the early Thanksgiving game. The Turkey Day Free Play is a no-risk, all-gravy wager on the full game spread. Pick the right team and you win. If your team is upset, your bet, up to $250, is refunded before the next afternoon game. New players will get their first deposit matched halfway up to $1,000 to help add even more excitement to the greatest football weekend of the year. That's right, make your first deposit and get extra cash you can use on parlays, teasers, and props. All weekend long, use the promo code 3YARDS in order to claim your bonus and your free bet. Remember, mybookie.ag. This show is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is a revolutionary new daily fantasy game whereby you pick two, three, or four players to go over or under their fantasy point projections, and if you're correct, you win. Pick two or more players from the same sport or league, or go cross leagues for your parlay. Use the promo code 5, that's F-I-V-E, 5, and receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. But first, sign up at prizepicks.com to start winning today. Welcome to Three Yards Per Caddy, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on, and welcome to a traumatic edition of Three Yards Per Carry. If you've been on Twitter all day today, I guess it's our fault. My blocking and Simon's throwing and quarterbacking that was porous on Sunday, and it cost us the game. So for that, we apologize. There's no Chris Kaufman here. He's dealing with a personal matter. Simon, why were you so bad on Sunday? Um, it's funny, isn't it? Because I called it a um, I called it a trap game on yes. Thursday. I was worried about it. I didn't think that we matched up particularly well. And I said that before um, the season, that was a game I penciled in as a loss. But you know, you get new information, you get a little happy with where your team is at, and you expect them to beat them. But they didn't. Yeah, I just I, I just think there was a um. I think there was an expectation, mainly probably from the fans, but maybe from the team as well, that we were just going to march through these three games, and the Chiefs were going to be around the corner nine and three. And I said last week on the on the previous show on Thursday that this was a trap, uh, not ahead of the Jets game, but ahead of the Chiefs game essentially, because everybody was just merrily thinking that we were going to be nine and three. I didn't like the way we matched up against the Broncos. Uh, Vic Fangio's defense doesn't particularly, you know, those outsides are. Uh, Outside, outside zone runs that they run on offense. Yes, we cannot play at all. Um, and and they used. Uh, I watched. Um, I watched his press conference last night, and he talked about how they used a, a Packers blocking scheme from the '60s because our defense essentially is a '60s defense in terms of how it's run. <laughs> yes. Um. And and so Dalton Risner played fuzzy. Gordon and Lindsay played Taylor and Hornig and and that's how it worked we cannot stop outside zone runs we uh, you know for some reason we we rush inside um or outside in as it were and with Van Noy and the hip injury we're just not able to set the edge at all consistently over and over again that might be Christian Wilkins thing um but it was just a, a really poor game all around you see and 
it obviously hasn't been coming because we've played well, but you do look back at situations, the way that we got up so quickly on the Rams. Yeah, everybody was jumping on the bandwagon. I saw Colin Cowherd say that Miami were the fourth best team in the league. Yeah. <laughs> and you have to, you know, the, there's no, I mean, I, I saw Mike Greenberg and Dan Olovsky this morning say, after saying last week that Tua might be the best quarterback in the AFC East, now turn around and say that the Dolphins should have taken Justin Herbert. Dan Olovsky um, last week said, I guarantee that Tua will win an NFL MVP. And today he was saying, yeah, you know what? They should have taken yeah, got the, the wrong. I mean, it's ludicrous. It's, it's ludicrous. And it's, you know, I, I understand we're both in the media. We understand what it is. Yes. It's clicks and it's, you know, it, it's those sorts of things. Sometimes um, you get caught up in the air and they're asking you course. for a take and you're like, you know what? I'm going to go out there. I'm just going to go for it. <laughs> You know, because nobody's going to remember next week, but we will. Exactly. <laughs> but overall, I think it was a very, very disappointing performance, but I'm not surprised by it. Um, I don't think Tua has ever, and actually thinking about it and looking at it, he's never played. That That will be the worst game he's ever played at yes. quarterback ever. You know, there, there was never a game like that. Alabama there certainly wasn't one of St. John's. Um, he won't have played a, a, a game as bad as that. Um, Jesse Davis, interesting to see Jeff, Jesse Davis go on the COVID list today. It looked like he was playing with coronavirus yesterday. <laughs> Um, yes. so you know, he was I mean, bad, and on film, he looks even worse. Austin Jackson gave up nine pressures yesterday. I, I thought he had his best game of the season two weeks ago, uh, mm. or the weekend just gone, or the weekend before this one. Uh, I think he had his worst game of the season. Yeah, Austin the Jackson erased Melvin Ingram a week ago. Yeah, Malik Reed just gave just gave uh, Jesse Davis absolute fits, and uh, and the thing that would concern me about Tua is that he looked so out of sorts. His yes. accuracy, which is the, the most important part of his game, the accuracy just disappeared. And, and if you're a defensive coordinator looking at that tape, you're thinking, I'm going to be putting pressure on him because he looked so uncomfortable in the pocket. He had so many opportunities to hit clean, open receivers in the NFL. You know, Jakeem Grant was open twice early. You know, <laughs> he missed Devontae Parker. He missed, he missed Grant late in the game. And it wouldn't um, be so bad if it weren't for big ones, you know? Because he missed yeah. Grant for essentially a touchdown. That was a touchdown early in the game. He missed. He's got to be. He's got he to be better. Parker twice, yeah. once for twenty-five yards, an easy twenty-five-yard crosser that he threw it way too out in front, and Parker almost tipped it up and sent it into the, going the other way in an interception. And then the flag route to Parker, where he was wide open, and Tua just patted the ball, patted the ball, patted the ball, patted the ball, dropped his head, started made a run for it, gained three yards on a run. Yeah, he was indecisive, he was inaccurate, and he just looked he looked like it was his first game and he didn't know what to do. I watched the um I don't know if anybody watched Bedlam on Saturday night, um Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and um your boy uh Spencer went out of the yes. game uh with a concussion after Ronnie Perkins slammed. Which is uh, you know, it's it's kind of his thing. He either throws touchdown passes or runs for twenty yard touchdowns or get concussions. <laughs> yeah, and they brought they they brought in a, a, a true freshman and it, it was awful. It was like watching my mum try and play quarterback and you know just incompletion after incompletion after you know just missing throws and behind guys and throwing into the benches and and this was what two was like on Sunday he was just all over the place he never once got comfortable you know we talked about maybe going to a no huddle and uh, you know and it, it never really happened he never really clicked and actually I said when I was watching the game the drive before he went out I said I wouldn't surprise me if they brought Fitzpatrick in uh, and they didn't. And I'm, I'm glad that they, you know, just because a guy is the guy doesn't mean to say the guy can't be the guy for, for a quarter. You know, there was no yes. life in the team. There's nothing, there's no harm, no foul in getting rid of a, you know, in letting the, th the kid who's played three games sit. It doesn't mean, it, 
his job isn't going anywhere. Chris made a very valid point in the WhatsApp chat afterwards. You know, Fitzpatrick had have won the national debate, or if they'd gone to overtime, the national debate, the national, you know, should Fitzpatrick go back in, that, that would have become quite, you know. Well, it doesn't matter because Shannon Sharp decided to say today that the locker room wants Fitzpatrick, and it's obvious to him by the way that they played. <laughs> I don't know how, how he would know that. What exactly. Happened to the previous, what happened to the previous three weeks? What was the locker room telling him the previous three weeks then? <laughs> These are just these are just ludicrous statements. I thought yeah. it was a really and of course, Kip Bayless wondered out loud. Maybe Tua isn't that good, isn't good at, at all. <laughs> well, you know what? What I think could be really interesting is that you know we should probably it, it, it's you know I, I've come on the show and said let's not you know there was a trap game and we got a bit overconfident and you know like I tweeted about Drew Locke starting. Uh, um, Mike Cleese re- reported on. Friday night or Saturday night that Drew Locke yes. was going to start and so I tweeted it and I must have had sort of 60 replies people going well you know that's at least five interceptions Dolphins are going to win by 50 and it was like, it was like lads calm down no, and, no, I, and I warned everybody Drew Locke can either throw you four interceptions he'll look like John Elway out there it's one or the other we got the wrong the one though <laughs> the interesting thing is that without trying to be overconfident because that's felt like what certainly what the fan base was going into Denver we've got two layups what looks like layups against you know a Jets team that hasn't won a game since the, the since the eighties. It see it feels like <laughs> since Richard and, Todd. Yeah, and a Bengals team that's going to be starting, um, you know, a backup quarterback because of the the, the awful injury to Joe Burrow yesterday. So it feels like two lads. If the Dolphins beat the Chiefs at home, you know, because you know, not beyond the realms of possibility, given that the way that we match up, you know, you watched that Chiefs Raiders game last night. It's two very good teams. The Chiefs are clearly a great team. Patrick Holmes playing at an MVP level. But if the Chief, if the Dolphins were to beat the Chiefs at home, what then does the national narrative become around Tony Super Bowl? If he's Super of Bowl. course. It'll so be it'll it, be the Dolphins are a sleeper Super Bowl contender because they just it's beat either, the Super Bowl champs. It's either shit or bust. Yes. With, with the media. And I think the truth lies somewhere in the middle. You know, we've always said that this to me this is a surprising playoff run. I didn't expect us to be at this point. And maybe you could look back in the cold light of day, maybe next year or in the off season and look back at these games and say, well, you know what, we did play well, but we we probably got a bit lucky at times. You make your own luck a little bit, you ride your luck. You know, the Rams game, seven seven, you know, they have a they have the the whatever it was, a turnover, and all of a sudden within sort of three minutes, <laughs> it's twenty eight seven. You know, there's the same as the Chargers game, you know, the the punt that gets dropped and and Van Ginkle blocks it, boom, seven nothing up, fourteen nothing up, and away you go again. You make your own luck, but I I just think there has to be some element of caution. It's like we're either going to win the Super Bowl or we're the worst team ever. You know, I have guys messaging on social media yesterday going, "You guys know nothing. You know that you said that they were going to win this game. You you know." And then, oh, "You Jerome Baker's terrible. We need a Pro Bowl player here." It's it's just like. <laughs> It's feast or famine. There's no in between, and it's um, I don't know. I'm kind of used to it, and I kind of feel like it's you know this is what happens. But it's um, it, if the Dolphins win the next two games and we're what eight, eight and three, and eight and four, it'll be interesting to see what the narrative is at that point. Especially if two comes in, plays pretty well, wins a couple of gimmies, which is probably what we need. We need a couple of you know, but he does need to come out now against the Jets and against the Bengals and play well. You know, there's absolutely because. He needs to show something. He needs to show that he can. He he's comfortable under pressure because he looked really. He looked discouragingly bad around yes. pressure. So he I was, know the he line. Was, 
and he was completely indecisive. There's a couple yeah. instances. I just finished the reason the reason we got started a little late on this podcast is that I was watching the all 22 and I was making my notes for the game and I picked out eight plays and three of those sacks. You could see that all the routes are finished and all the you know all the breaks are done. Tua has, has already gotten to the bottom of his drop, stepped up into the pocket, and patted the ball twice, mm-hmm. and has decided, okay, nobody's open, so I, I guess I'll just get blasted by some guy that weighs 295 pounds. No, sometimes guys, like he said it in, in his presser today, I thought he was actually, I, I thought he was very eloquent when he said that Ryan Fitzpatrick told him a couple of times during the game, buddy. In the NFL, what you think is covered is sometimes open. Yeah, it's open. I was looking at the distance in yards measured between a wide receiver or a tight end and the nearest defender at the time of the catch or, or, or an incompletion. The Dolphins have three receivers in the top one, two, three, four, five, six, seven players in inability to separate. AJ Green is the number one receiver in the NFL in terms of minimal catch slash incompletion to separation at 1.7 but Devontae Parker is third with 1.9 Gasicki tied third at 1.9 and Preston Williams at 2.2 Dolphins receivers are not getting open consistently and that is a problem do you know what I mean and it's also a problem you know as well as uh, as Saban Ahmed played two weeks ago and in spurts at the weekend the running game is abysmal I mean it's really abysmal the line wasn't very good yesterday the running game was awful they do need a factor back. You know, you look at, you know, whether that's going to be, and I suspect that because of familiarity and because he can do things in all three elements of the game, that Najee Harris is such a such a good fit. You know, whether it's Travis Etienne, whether it's Najee Harris, or whether it's Javonta Williams, the the, the brilliant um, big back from, from North Carolina in terms of, you know, one of those guys, top 50, top 55 player. That they need one of those, but they also need receivers that can separate. They need a slot receiver. I feel like they need a second tight end. They almost need to, you know, they almost need a Gronkowski, Aaron Hernandez early situation, you know, and, and that opens up someone like Kyle Pitts. Imagine mm-hmm. putting Kyle Pitts and Mike Gesicki in that offense with, a, say, a Devonta Smith, uh, Parker, uh, and Najee Harris. You've got to get the kid weapons. You know, we, we are lacking. And, you know, Parker is a great contested catch uh, player. We've seen yeah, and I, I felt play. that, I, I you know, his numbers weren't all that great. It was six for 61 and a touchdown. But if you watch them on film, he did flash open a couple of times. But he fought A.J. Bowie all day. And, mm-hmm. my God, did they throw the kitchen stick at him. They had him bracketed almost all day, yeah. you know. You know. Preston, Preston Williams can't really get open. He's a good route runner, but he, he doesn't have an explosion in and out of his breaks. He can't separate particularly well. For all the pace that Jakeem Grant has, he doesn't really deliver an awful lot. You know, he, he's fine. He's okay. He, he doesn't deliver an awful lot. You know, there is no Michael Thomas in this offense. There is no, no you know, I'm trying to think of uh, my mind's gone. There is no Julio Jones. You know, there is no Stefan Diggs. There is no DeAndre Hopkins in this offense. There is nobody that can consistently get open against any coverage, which is what those guys do, which is what separates Parker, who's a really nice player, mm-hmm. from being an elite player. He is not an elite receiver in the NFL. He's a good receiver in the NFL. He has not done enough to be considered. Mike Gasicki is a good tight end. He is not Travis Kelsey. He is not Darren Waller. You know, he's not one of those guys, you know, and that's the difference. Miami has to get 
two or three of those players. Everybody, every team needs them. You know, mm-hmm. Tom Brady is, you know, look at what happened to the Patriots last year. Tom Brady did not succeed because they were throwing to Demir Bird and to, to Jacoby Myers and to Nikhil Harry and to Ryan Izzo at tight end. They had no running game. You know, even the best of the best struggles. Look at what's happened to Aaron Rodgers recently in terms of, you know, with Alan Lazard out, when Devontae Adams was out, you, you know, you're like uh, Equinemius and Brown was out. You're relying on Valdez Scandling. You're relying on, you know, a couple of guys off the practice squad. You know, Robert Tonyan caught three touchdown passes in a game because they had no they had no real talent and receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so the Dolphins lack that, and until they get that, and they've got the picks loaded up. You know, they've got those those picks, those first five picks in the in the first three rounds that they have money to spend in t- in free agency, but they do need to address that quickly because the kid does need talent. Everybody needs talent around them, and the kid definitely does. Well, they're going to have plenty of opportunities to do that. But I believe that some help is on the way because in his limited snaps, Antonio Callaway, I thought he looked he looked pretty good in that game. Yeah. Came away with that big pass. It was interesting that the two went to him on that in that big third third and 12, I believe it was, and converted it with he that, can get o- that slant route. He can get open. That's the thing. Yes. So he's going to be important going forward. There is other help on the way in that Miles Gaskin comes off of the IR next week. So who knows if he's going to be ready in the next two weeks. And of course the defense. Yeah. Christian Wilkins has to get back in the lineup. That's part of it. But Atlanta Roberts is no Zach Thomas. Okay. But he has to be able to call out fronts a little bit better. Most of those outside zone runs that were defeating them was basically purely alignment. It was just our defensive tackles getting stuck in the wash and then just running, you know, basically two on two, blocking drills on the outside and then hitting their blocks and they're off to the races again. So uh, a lot of that is on Atlanta Roberts because you can't blitz your way into every, every single call. And there was a couple of times where Brian Flores really outsmarted, you know, the play call because he was calling base when they were running it and he was calling nickel when they were throwing it. But, you know, it's just so many times you're going to outsmart the offense, you know, it's not going to happen the whole game. And that was part of it. Linebackers didn't play very well. No, the, they did not. The three of them actually. They were know, non-existent. Uh, I would. Say. I would say non-existent is the is the correct word. You know, Van Noy is a good player. Baker is a good player. Yes. Roberts has his moments. None of them play particularly well. No. Um, you know, we talk a lot about Micah Parsons and you know what he would bring in terms of some of that go-getting ability, but then his ability to kick up on third down to be a pass rusher. You know, someone like Nick Bolton at Missouri, he's a three-down linebacker. How you know, how would he fit into the into that group? Whether or not someone like Joseph Asai in terms of yeah, it felt like we could not get close to the quarterback. And it felt like we just completely dropped off all the things that we'd done in terms of those pressure packages. There were no pressure packages, no. very few zero cover zero blitzes. We seemed to only send four almost all the time. Jerome Baker had a couple of blitzes. I thought Brandon Jones is beginning to show up, begin to flash. The secondary still remains a strength, but Generally, it was just a, it was just one of those games where you just never, ever, ever thought we were going to get a foothold in it. We were just always just chasing our tail the whole time. Yeah, the game started off well enough though, because they showed that they showed that zero blitz look and then dropped into a box zone, and Drew Lock threw it right at Xavier Howard. Yeah, and I said it on a previous podcast, and let me repeat it again: I'm never trading Xavier Howard. He could be 48 years old, and he's still going to get four interceptions in the season. That guy's a wonder. Yeah. Isn't he, Simon? He's like no, he's, he's he's headed for the Ring of Honor. Head he's first. He's a really good player. Yes, he's a really good player. Sorry, I was just looking at free agent receivers 
next next season in terms of you know you look at someone like Alan Robinson for example who has got to get out of Chicago Marvin Jones absolutely that's somebody I would have um, wanted this year I would have made an offer this year for Alan Corey Robinson. Davis is Corey Davis is intriguing yes um, but Tennessee's still only twenty five um, who else is down there um, you got a couple uh, of teams I would say Curtis Simon, Samuel. Judas they have Mitchell. premier running backs. And we were talking in the in the WhatsApp chat. I was saying at least, and I could be wrong, but I I believe that they showed their hand. They showed their hand in two respects. By passing up on all those running backs last year in the draft and then making an attempt at Le'Veon Bell. Now, I look at a couple of guys that signed extensions but are on essentially bad teams. They just played each other. Minnesota and Dallas. Wouldn't those two teams, and Dallas, of course, has Ezekiel Elliott. Minnesota has Dalvin Cook. Wouldn't they be asking yeah. for, for a pick for one of those two guys if they want to start the rebuild in earnest, especially when Dallas really needs it on defense because they have nothing on the defensive side of the ball except for a couple of young players and a very expensive defensive end. Minnesota probably needs a quarterback. Wouldn't they be on the block, and would you make an attempt at either one? I, I can't see for a minute the uh, Vikings dealing somebody who's probably in the MVP race in terms of Dalvin Cook. Elliot's an interesting one. Um, obviously, a part of the Cowboys' nosedive is is down to the injury to Dak Prescott and having to yeah. start, you know, my mum again for for two or three weeks. Um, but the Cowboys are three and seven and half a game out of the race. They're leaving the, in the, in the, in the <laughs> which, NFC, which is crazy, is. right? Uh, rent, I mean. That Eagles team is so bad. Um, I'm just looking at Zeke Elliott's contract. I mean, it wouldn't be. Uh, this is a guy who's clearly slowing down in terms of his usefulness. You know, he's taking mm-hmm. a lot of hits, a lot of miles. But he court. falls out of bed and it's 1,300 yards rushing. You know. Yeah, I don't know. What was it six-year, ninety million dollar contract? Trading him probably makes it quite difficult. I mean, he's due. Where are we? Yeah, I mean, he's under contract till 2026. Um. So it's, there's a potential out in 2023 um, with six and a half, six point seven million dead cap. But I mean, if he gets if he gets dealt, I mean, there's a dead cap of thirty five million this year, twenty four million next year, ten point eight million in 2022. I think it's unlikely. Yeah, I think it's unlikely. And Cook is probably going to be significantly worse than that. So I, I would say so. Happening. I can't see it. I, I, look, I think there's a good, you know. There are good running backs in this draft, you know, and there is a kind of a, a pick your poison in terms of what you're looking for. You know, if you're looking for that sort of slightly smaller Alvin Kamara type, then then Travis Etienne is that guy. You know, he's somebody that mm-hmm. what you want to see, take two players, for example, take Etienne and look at his improvement. He was always a good running back. Look at his improvement as a pass protector and look at his improvement. Not only as a receiver, his hands are significantly better than when he got to Clemson, but also as a route runner. He's now become a very, very refined route runner. Look at Sam Cosme, the left tackle of Texas, who looked like a first-round pick in 2018. I don't think he's got particularly better. So what you're trying to look for is improvement, and Travis Etienne certainly has shown improvement. But he is that kind of Alvin Kamara threat to, to do you know, to take it to the house anytime he touches the ball. Harris, tall, athletic, smooth, a fluid runner, very sort of Derek Henry-like. Mm. He's elusive in the open field. He's got great hands. He's great in pass protection. Um, you know, his understanding and having played with Tua for three seasons makes him, you know, 
makes him seem like a perfect fit. Williams is 5'10", 222 pounds. I mean, he is a seriously powerful running back. Speed, contact balance, acceleration, leads the nation, almost double the amount of broken tackles than any running back in the nation. But, you know, you look down, you've got Kylan Hill at Mississippi State, Tuba Hubbard, who seems to have taken a year off with the injury and some, mm. some business decisions going on there. Yes. There are players there. I, I just don't see Miami paying big bucks for an Elliott or a Cook when you could potentially get Moe Ibrahim of Minnesota in the fourth round or, you know, Kenneth Gainwell out of Memphis or, you know, one of those guys, or Jarrett Patterson out of Buffalo. I just, to me, I, I don't think they're going to cough up that kind of cash because they're just, they're not that sort of team, I don't think. And I, I feel like they feel they can get by with what they have. I think they'll obviously add a name to the mix and I think it will be Harris personally. Um but yeah, it'll be interesting to see. But they they have to they have to improve that skill position area because you know it's letting the kid down. Absolutely. And as far as the offensive line now, now that Jesse Davis has gone on the the COVID list, I guess. Although it's interesting that uh, Robert Hunt was in, you know was inserted into the game because Solomon Kinley had injured his foot, or he yeah. didn't injure his foot. He had come into the game with an injured foot and then said that it was bothering him. So it'll be interesting to see. They It'll be the first time all year where they play three rookies on the offensive line against the Jets this Sunday. So that'll be interesting to see as well. But Didn't they play, didn't they play three against the 49ers? Against the 49ers? No, I don't think so because Jesse Davis played. So Did he? Okay. Yeah, okay. so if yeah, Jesse Davis can play, I don't see how one of them, all three of them get on there. Again, much like Tua, it's a, it, it's a kind of an easy layup in a way you know it's a good opportunity for the for the young guys to get some some, some playing time some experience under and some confidence back under their feet playing the jets and the and the bengals with the greatest respect to the their defensive lines you know this is not you know we're not talking about the nick Bosa, deforest buckner solomon thomas 49ers do you know what i mean we're not talking about you know of last year we're not talking about Mal- malcolm ingram and joey Bosa. we're talking about a much lesser so for robert hunt especially but also for jackson bouncing back off a bad game last week it's a good opportunity to rebuild some confidence because by god they need it but they do need to go to new york i mean the flip side to going to new york and losing is that you, you screw up the jets plans for trevor lawrence which in yeah. a way would probably be <laughs> yes know. i mean although it, i don't think a, i think that that, that that's you know that's going to happen Although it is interesting that Sam Darnold is on the way back. Yeah, miss the playoffs or uh, screw up the your rival's chance of getting the, the best quarterback potentially since Peyton Manning. You, you choose. Since uh, John Elway, you choose. So Yeah, it, it, it's an interesting thing. Now, after watching the All-22, I have a little bit more confidence in that two is going to turn it around because he was just doing things that are completely uncharacteristic. So let's spend a little time here on Tua as we wrap up this recap show of a loss of a terrible loss. And we'll talk, you know, we'll touch on the NFL a little bit briefly. So what ultimately, what do you think? How do you think he bounces back? Is it as simple as what, cause he gives good press conference. I don't know if you saw his press conference today. He was like, you know what? I got, I'm going to start concentrating on getting some completions and get my game going. Cause when you get completions, you get some first downs and you get to see different things. So, is it as simple as that? Is it as simple as what he's saying that I'm just going to go out and get some completions and that'll get me going? Yeah, I think so. I think he just needs to find his rhythm. I tell you what he doesn't need to do. He doesn't need to come out and say, I expect it to be a lot harder. <laughs> it's not as hard as it is, as I thought it would be. Yeah, Shannon Sharp was making fun of him uh, today over there. Just, 
just you know for such a smart kid why bother seriously why bother it's like doing the documentary it's doing all these things i haven't seen the justin herbert documentary yet have you <laughs> that's no. coming next week when he does right. a documentary about his haircut <laughs> i just i just don't i just don't see the need for it you don't have to say those things it's just it it, it will always come back and, and punch you in the face it doesn't matter whether you're tom brady or dan marino or otto graham it will always come back and punch you in the face it just you know, I think next week all he's got to do is just confidence, get his feet back under him, get into a rhythm. He just looks so out of rhythm. He looks so panicked back there. Um, and I yeah, in that game, you know, there was a there was one play on the all twenty two, and we're going to wrap up on this, and we'll go around the NFL a little bit right here. There was one play on the all twenty two, and it, I believe it was the play after the flag route. It pops open to, to Parker, and you see that he steps up into the pocket. And he has a wide open lane, right? And he glances over to his left and he has the crosser with Gasecki. That's open. Like if he wants to, if he wants six to eight yards, he can get it. And maybe Gasecki gets the first down, right? But he yeah. sees a wide open lane and he decides, I think you're going to remember the play. He decides, oh, this is, you know, this is a walk for this first down. It's third and six, by the way. This is a walk. And he just takes off and the defensive end peels off the line, number 93. I don't know what his name is. He peels off the line and catches him for essentially it was a three yard gain. And Tua looks back at him like, where did you come from? And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, yeah, they're fast in the NFL <laughs> Tua. They're, I know the SEC defenses are fast and they're good, but they're really fast at this level. And it's, he seems surprised that he got caught on that run. Mm. I also wonder how many times he has faced all that stunting and twisting that the, the defensive line did yeah because it again it felt like he didn't really know what was coming and and where it was coming from you know you watched that game last night you know and for whatever ills and ailments Derek Carr has had along the way he's having a an outstanding season and I thought he was brilliant last night but some of that you know with the with the volume turned down in the stadium some of his identification of what was happening there was that great moment in the third quarter towards the end of the third quarter where he picked out the blitzer and the camera was sort of looking at him. He smiled and pointed out and was like, yeah, you, I know you're coming. And, you know, you don't, you don't get the, why would you get the sense of that material? He's played four games. You know, this is, <laughs> let, let's keep things. I think perspective is such an important thing and, and people are clearly losing a sense of perspective, but what he need, you know, he's seeing things every game that he's never seen before. And, and I think excessive stunting and twisting is not something uh, as advanced as the SEC is in terms of how good it is as a, as a conference, he is not seeing an awful lot of that. He certainly isn't seeing what the Broncos were, were throwing yesterday. Um, it's an experience. It's a learning curve. He'll be fine. He'll be absolutely fine. You know, it's like we said at the start, it's either shit or bust. It's doom or, you know, destruction. It's Super Bowl or, or, you know, free agency. He'll be fine. They just need, he needs time. He needs experience and he needs to bounce back with a couple of nice wins and then see what happens against the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, and I posted on the three yards per carry account, Russell Wilson in his fourth career start. This was Tua's fourth career start. Russell Wilson went, went 17 for 25 for 160 yards, no touchdowns, and three interceptions in a 19 to 13 loss to the Rams. So, yeah, it wasn't the end of the world, okay? Russell Wilson didn't, you know, slink into obscurity for the rest of his life, all right? He, he went on to have a Hall of Fame career, so... Our guy can do the same thing. You know, he just has to bounce back. 
and bounce back big this week. Let's touch mm-hmm. briefly on the NFL. What a disaster that Colts-Green Bay game was. Colts are really good, and they're going head first mm-hmm. into the playoffs. There's no catching them. Okay, Can we agree on that? Yeah, I think so. And, and actually, you're looking for teams around about this time of the year that are starting to get hot. And that looks like a team that's starting to get hot. You know, um, if Philip Rivers can play mistake free football, they've got talent. Michael um, Pittman starting to come into his own. That defense looks really good, especially up front. You know, Darius Leonard is is sensational at linebacker, but Grover Stewart and, and DeForest Buckner is, you know, if there's three defensive linemen playing better than him this season, I've yet to see them. You know, Aaron Donald, maybe Miles Garrett, and then probably him. Um, he's having an outstanding season. He's the premier interior defensive line in the lineman alongside Aaron Donald in the NFL this season. Um, I think the Colts are getting hot on the right. And Frank Reich is a great is a great head coach. And I think yes. what you're seeing out of the Colts is the reason why you're seeing the Eagles being so disastrous since Reich left. Um, because I think a lot of that success was down to Frank Reich and it's being replicated in Indianapolis. And it helps when you have a general manager like Chris Ballard, who's one of the best. Uh, in the business, but you know, you see Rocky Asin playing well uh, all over the all over the field. You have got playmakers making plays. That's a very good team who could get hot and be very dangerous in in the playoffs. Yeah, and all of a sudden, Philip Rivers doesn't throw disastrous interceptions. So yeah, that's on that head coach. He's gotten to play really good football. And what is it, year seventeen? Yeah, I mean, so the, Ra- the Dolph- Dolphins got lucky with the Raiders last night. You know, Raiders are they're yes. a good team. They're a really yeah. good team. Yeah, the only They're problem with team. the Raiders is that their defense is a sieve, and sometimes they yeah. just turn into they turn into a pinball machine. They just give up points in they've got bunches. Young, yeah, they've got young corners um, mm-hmm. in in um, Trayvon Mullen and, and Damon Arnett, who are, will be good but are young. Um, but they just can't get pressure beyond Max Crosby. I think I, I see this evening they've just signed Vic Beasley and Takaris McKinley um, to try and get some pressure. Um, but they're close. They're a good team. You're looking for hot team. I think the two teams that the Dolphins need to be cognizant of losing are the Cleveland Browns and the Baltimore And they're terrible. Raiders. I know. I understand that the Cleveland Browns are 7-3, and three, but good God, that's a bad team. Baker Mayfield threatens to lose every single game he steps on the field with. And their passing game is non-existent. It just does not exist. I think if the Dolphins played the Browns, in Miami, the Dolphins in a playoff game, I think the Dolphins would win easily. But you look at, in my opinion, you look at you look at the Browns. They got the Jaguars. They probably beat those. Them. They got the Titans. I think they'd lose to the Titans. The Ravens. That's a critical game. You almost want that to be a tie. They got the Giants. The Giants are an improving team. They're only won three games, but they're an improving team and they're thick in that NFC East race. Then they got the Jets. They'll win that and they they close out with the Steelers. Now, depending on whether the Steelers have got home field advantage, they may rest players. You know, I doubt they will against the hated Browns, but there's potentially three defeats there, you know, at least maybe four Titans, Ravens, Giants, mm. Steelers. You know, it's important that, you know, the Dolphins keep winning if they want a chance in the playoffs. I think the Dolphins will probably be on the outside looking in. They might be the eighth best team in the AFC when all said and done. I think for the for the Ravens, they've got the Steelers, obviously on Thanksgiving, the Cowboys, who all of a sudden are back in the race, half a game out, as we mentioned, the Browns, the Jaguars, the Giants, and the Bengals. So really... You know the Ravens look like they probably should. I know they're four games behind the Steelers in in the in the um in the uh, in their division, but I think um I think Miami might just end up being the eighth team in a seven man playoff. Well, here's the here's the the good news on that front. If Miami goes and they win the next two games and they go eight and four, they play the Raiders in Las Vegas. Okay, toward the end of the year, if they beat the Patriots, that's ten wins. It's virtually impossible for them to be not in the playoffs. 
with 10 wins and a win over the Raiders. And it must be a win over the, the Patriots. They need a division win. Okay. Yeah. So you're talking about 10 wins by winning the next two and then splitting the, all those games, you know? So yeah. Okay. You're going to lose two games down the stretch. You're going to, it's going to have to be Kansas city and, and Buffalo, but you need one of those wins down the stretch to get to 10 must be the Raiders. That's yeah, what the I, season I, is basically boiling down to. It's a pretty hard out when you're looking at the Chiefs, the Patriots, the Raiders, and the Bills as, as what, your last four or four of your last five. That's pretty that's yeah. pretty hardcore to think that that's what you have to do to get into the playoffs because the Patriots aren't going to lie down for anybody. The Bills no. are in the thick of it. Yeah, but the know, good news time. is that the Patriots have to come here. So, yeah, and, sure. and you know what usually happens to them when they come here? <laughs> Yeah, yeah I so yeah, the season really does boil down to that game against the Raiders. That the winner of that game, barring some type of collapse by by Las Vegas, the winner of that game likely takes the sixth or the seventh spot. At yeah. least that's the way it looks like on paper. But all right, that's it for the recap show. The next time you hear from us, it'll be a preview show where we'll preview the Jets and. Thursday football. There's some Thursday football also that we can get into since, you know, we're not going to talk too much Jets. But till then. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.